to turn to 1 John chapter 5. Um, so, Ellie went to visit a friend's VBS this last week uh, at a different church, and um, we were at the parents' meeting the last night where they sit down and they say, here's all the things we've been teaching your kids over the last week so that you can continue to teach these things to them as you take them away from VBS and that sort of thing. And one of the things that he said, that the, the guy who was speaking to us said was, um, we've basically been saying the same thing every single night. And we say the same thing every single night because with our kids, it takes three or four times hearing the same thing over and over again for it to finally click, for it to finally make sense, for it to finally be the thing that they understand and they can, it's a concept that they now grasp and they can say. And he says, it usually, it's like, by Wednesday, usually you see that start, the light bulbs start to turn on. Oh, I get it. I, I, I feel it. I, I understand where we're going. And, and I think First John has kind of started to feel a little bit that way, maybe, to you, as we go through it. Because it's like, he's saying the same things over and over again. He's adding little bits of detail and kind of building on his case, but really he's saying the same things over and over and over again. He's saying you need to understand who Jesus is. You need to love Jesus. You need to obey the commands that have been left for us by Jesus and by the Scriptures. And you need to stop doing the bad things that the Bible says we're not supposed to do. You need to get away from the sinful things. And you need to love each other well. He keeps saying these same things over and over again. And it kind of, I was thinking as he was saying on, on Friday or Thursday or whatever, whatever night that was, that, that it's the same thing that he was doing with the kids. John's saying these same things over and over again because the first couple of times you hear, obey all the commands, don't do the sinful things, love each other. You might hear those things and think, that sounds hard. That sounds impossible. I don't know that I could do that. And you're hearing over and over and over again. That seems not realistic. That seems not like something that I'm going to be able to do. Or, or I don't really understand what that means. And I think he keeps kind of over and over and over again saying these same concepts so that we as the church will hear it and slowly be changed by it, slowly be shaped by it, slowly begin to understand what he's trying to say, accept it, and be able to see some of that kind of life-changing action take place in ourselves. So, 1 John chapter 5, we're going to read the first five verses today. Uh, I'm just going to go ahead and read everything through, and then we'll kind of take a deeper look at it. 1 John chapter 5, verse 1 says, Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of Him. By this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey His commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? 
So let's go ahead and take a look at a few things in here. The first thing that I want to point out, and this is a little bit techy, a little bit nerdy, it was something that I was trying to explain to Ellie on the drive here today, um, was that when you find symmetry in passages of the Bible, there's, there's an extra emphasis trying to be made. They're, they're trying to close their thoughts. So when you, when you see a passage that opens up with the idea of, of everyone who believes in Jesus, everyone, everyone who believes, whoever believes, when you see that opening up and it closing the same paragraph, who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? He's, he's trying to make a point. This is the opening and closing of my thought, and I really want to emphasize that this is the big idea. The big idea is this all starts with Jesus. Everything that kind of flows out of everything that I talk about needs to start and end and be centered on Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Everything boils down to what you believe about him. And that is why theology is so important. That is why the way that we understand who Jesus is and what the Bible says about who Jesus is and, and the, the little details that sometimes we say, maybe this is not something that we need to worry about. Maybe this is something that we can, we can debate or maybe this is something that we can differ on and be okay is vital, is very important. There, there are no details about the truth that Scripture presents about who Jesus is. There's nothing that is said of him that is not important. And everything that, that we do needs to flow out of our understanding of who Jesus is. So that's why when we go and read all these other passages, or when we, when we get these little nuggets about Jesus is this, or Jesus said this, or this is Jesus was truly God, or Jesus was truly man, or Jesus was truly dead, and then Jesus was truly alive, it's, it's important and it's, it's vital that we, we believe and accept and understand that fully. If we, if we shake or, or, or waver on, on any piece of who Jesus is, every single one of these things that follows in, in 1 John and the rest of Scripture starts to fall apart. It just, it just doesn't mean the same thing if we're not believing in the right Jesus. That's why it's so important, and I think it's, a, it's, a, it's an important struggle that the church has been facing for for a while now in America in particular, but more and more recently, as we, as we have this desire to, to love people or see people come be added to the church, there continues to be this temptation to try to, try to ignore, hide, or completely throw away altogether the parts of the Bible that make people who don't know and love Jesus uncomfortable. Right? To, uh, there's a... There's a really well-known pastor, um, not in this area, who has recently said, I don't think you need the Old Testament to lead people to Jesus. We can just, we can just, we can just ignore it. We don't need to teach from it. We don't, it's not helpful. There's nothing in it that's going to save somebody. What matters is, is just Jesus. And so, so really, we're just going to ignore the Old Testament because, because there are a lot of passages, there are a lot of verses in the Old Testament that really make people uncomfortable, and that might hinder them, keep them from ever actually being able to, to pursue Jesus, to follow Jesus. That's good. The Old Testament stuff has some really weird stuff that we should just ignore to make it easier for people to find Jesus. The problem is, in the New Testament, in 1 John, we keep reading, obey all the commands that I've been given you, 
right? Jesus even calls back and says, all of these commands that you read, all of them still apply to you in some way. Either, either he modifies them a little bit, maybe gives us a little bit better context, but, but a lot of them, like, where it says you shall not murder, I say don't even look at somebody and, and hate, right? He's, he's doubling down on all these concepts that the Old Testament had given us. And so if we're, if we're too comfortable, too cavalier, too relaxed, and decide we don't need parts of this Bible, we don't need parts of what God has revealed about who Jesus is, Then, then we're changing who Jesus is. We're, we're throwing out parts of his character, parts of what, what he has revealed about himself to us in Scripture. And, and all of this that, I, that we started here, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ, who believes that Jesus is the Son of God, all of these things are just kind of summaries of everybody who believes everything about Jesus that Jesus has said about himself is saved. But, but if you don't believe those things, you got to look at it in the reverse. You haven't been born of God. You don't overcome the world. All of these things that he's saying in the rest of the passage are not true of you. So, so the first idea that I want us to get out of these verses is that it's all about Jesus. Everything comes back to him, and we have to have a right understanding of who he is. Notice in those verses that he says everyone and whoever and the one who, all of these things. He's saying everyone, all the commands and signs that John has called us to are true and will happen for everyone who believes in Jesus. Everyone who has a right understanding of who Jesus is and kind of by virtue who they are in connection with him. Everybody who gets it, everybody who is connected to Jesus in the right way, understanding who he is, everyone who believes in God, everything else that he says in that passage between those two ideas, every single thing is going to be true for. But he says a lot of big things. Everyone, everyone will be able to accomplish all these commands. Everyone who will be able to accomplish that will ultimately find these things easier. Right? What's the word that he uses? He says, it will not be burdensome. His commands are not burdensome. I don't know about you, but sometimes some of his commands seem kind of difficult. Right? Some, I mean, even some of the stuff that he said in, in, in 1 John. I, I said this when we first talked about the idea of loving each other. I know that sometimes I am hard to love. I accept that. It's okay. You don't have to tell me. It hurt my feelings. But I know that sometimes I am hard to love and that we as Christians, as believers, can be hard to love. So, so it seems difficult sometimes when he says, you should love your brothers the way that Christ loves you. Or love the Lord your God with all your heart, with everything. That seems really difficult. But what John is saying here is, for this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. So, so here's the thing. He keeps saying everyone and whoever. I want us to get this idea. Whoever believes in Jesus, in the real Jesus, in the real version of Jesus, everyone who understands who Jesus is and what Jesus has done, everybody who has a right theology of Jesus 
and their relationship to him and what salvation is. Everybody who gets that, this will become easier for. I'm not saying you're going to get saved and all of a sudden it's going to be no problem whatsoever to do exactly what Jesus wants you to do. I'm not making that promise. But the promise that John is making is that it will become easy. It will become easier as we mature, as we grow, as we are changed and shaped by the power of the Holy Spirit. You will find that these commands that have seemed so burdensome, so difficult for you over time, whatever, whatever that particular sin may be or whatever that temptation may be or whatever that, that's, I mean, for me, it's often just been laziness. Like I am, I do not like to, to get up early. I do not like to motivate myself to do things. I would much rather just sit and watch TV or go sit and watch a movie or play a game or something like I would much rather do that. It's hard to get me motivated to do things. Definitely don't want to clean the house. Definitely don't want to do that. But what John is saying is, it will be less burdensome for you once you're in Christ. If you, if you truly know and love Jesus, and this kind of goes back to the heart of the gospel, right? The root of the gospel. Like, if you understand who you were prior to salvation, if you knew if you understood what, what your sinful state was, that, that state of, of, of complete death, like no connection to God, no hope for salvation, like you are absolutely trapped in your sin. If you understand that, then when you understand what Jesus has done in sacrificing himself so that he could make you alive, Right? If you have a real understanding of what salvation is, what the gospel is, if you can appreciate what it is that Jesus has done for you, it's going to be a whole lot easier to say, I'm going to do all the things you say. I'm going to follow you. I, I don't want all of these other things that I had been chasing after because, wow, you are so much better than those things. If we see Jesus for who he truly is, this, this amazing, wonderful, gracious, loving, sacrificial, perfect God, if we get a right view of who he is, it becomes so much easier to set aside these things that we've been told, you don't need that. You don't need to do that. Put that away. Set that aside. Leave that. Follow after Jesus. Chase after Jesus. So all of, like I said, all of these things kind of flow out of understanding who Jesus is, understanding what the gospel is, loving the gospel, loving Jesus, it becomes so much easier to follow all of these commands. Yeah, it might be really burdensome sometimes to think, we're going to read through the Old Testament and see what all of these truths are that he's called us to live by. Or we're going to go read through all of these books. This is a big book. It takes a lot of reading, and it takes an even longer time to understand, right? But... What he says is, if you love me, you're going to want to do these things. And you're going to develop this, this passion and this desire to dig deeper into this, understand these commandments, and then, and then live them out. And I love the confidence that John says this with. Everyone who will be able to accomplish these things will find them easier. Will find them not burdensome. So if right now you're sitting there thinking, wow, that's not me, or wow, this seems really difficult, or wow, I don't know that that's, that's, that's 100% true of me. I think, I think that some of these things still seem too difficult for me. 
I'm not saying that means you're not saved. But what I'm saying is he's saying there is hope that these things will happen. These things will become true for you. Third point. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. So the idea of these things not being burdensome is this. He's saying that is, that is an idea of victory. That is us overcoming this strong desire that we have to chase after the things of the world. So as we have this desire to go after the things of the world, as we, as we are driven to run after things that we shouldn't run after, or we're driven not to do the hard things that we as believers have been called to do, go out and love people, go out and take the gospel into the world, whatever that may be in your life specifically, have, have a particular job, have a particular relationship, have a certain kind of lifestyle where you have to sacrifice something for the sake of the gospel. All of these things are, in a sense, when, when, we're, when we're finding these things less burdensome, that is, that is overcoming the desires of the world. That is overcoming our flesh. That is finding victory over a thing that we have been trapped in our entire lives because of our sin. And I love this idea of overcoming. Uh, Nick asked what we were talking about this week, and I said, did you pick that first song because I'd said overcoming, the strife is over? Because I don't know if you did specifically, but, but I love that the strife is over. It's won, the victory of life. Or I've botched all the lyrics, that's okay. But like, I haven't sung that song in a while. But that idea of, of overcoming, accomplishing something, defeating the last boss, if you want your gaming reference, right? Um... When John talks about overcoming the world, he means that we now have the ability not to give in to the sin nature that we were born into. All of those things that have had a hold of us, he has given us victory over. This goes back to our, that idea that I was just talking about, of our depravity prior to the cross. Our, our, un, our, our inability to save ourselves, our so being lost and trapped in our sin that there is no hope for us to save ourselves. I wanted us to kind of understand, come up with a way to understand this idea of, of, of the struggle to overcome based on our own ability. And I came up with a really silly way to do that. So I've got a video that we're going to play. I don't know how the sound is going to work. So we're just, I haven't tested the video. We're just going to click go on it. So, so watch this and think of the struggle to overcome. Million-year-old carnivore from the Cretaceous period. It's Tyrannosaurus Rex, the king of the lizards, the T-Rex, on the course through the floating steps. Oh, look at that! What agility! Oh, Run. 
So that was really just an opportunity for me to play an American Ninja Warrior with a T-Rex clip, but I want, sorry, that just makes me really happy, that clip. So, so for those, if we have to cut that out of the recording, for those of you listening, um, that, you can go Google T-Rex fail American Ninja Warrior and watch that clip. Um, but I, there's this idea when we're trapped in our sin, that there is nothing that we can do to overcome, right? There was nothing that that T-Rex, that was a real T-Rex, by the way. I don't know if you caught that. That was a real T-Rex. There is nothing that we can do when we're trapped in our sin to get out, just like it seemed so impossible for that guy to finish that course. And if you watch that, that show, how many people have ever watched Ninja Warrior or, 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 or its original most extreme elimination challenge. That was way better, by the way. All right, so party at Andy's house to watch most extreme elimination challenge at some point. Um, but just this idea of people trying really hard things, and then they, they, always, they always kind of pace the episode, because, guys, I don't know if you know this, but even like game shows and reality shows, they edit to make it more impactful when you watch it. So they, they show people, I know, you don't want, I'm ruining the magic. But there's a guy sitting there helping script out how we want to tell this story. And we show people that are failing that you can't do it. So that when you see, when you see the like, little 13-year-old girl who's not tall enough to do anything beat this whole course or something like that. Yeah, she's a really short 13-year-old girl. So. I'm a giant. That's what it is. But anyways, so when you see these people overcome these things, finish this course, it's so much more amazing to you. It's so much more impactful. It hits you so much harder. You feel, you feel all the feels, right? Because it's like, they did it. It's so amazing. Right? Like, like they've overcome this thing, this challenge, this, this, this struggle that they've had for so long, and now look at what they're accomplishing. And, and they... When you understand how hard it is, when you see how limited we can be and we fail and we fall and all of these things, then when you see the victory, it's that much more amazing to you, right? It's that much more impactful. And what John is promising us here in chapter 5, if you want to just click on the next thing so that we don't keep getting distracted by the T-Rex picture on the screen, that's, that's cool. Oh, oh, that's awesome. Wow, so we're stuck with T-Rex for the rest of the day is apparently what it is. Tim's going to come turn it off. I didn't realize that it was going to do that. That's kind of awesome. So, uh, sorry, there's just a T-Rex up there. That's really fun. Um, His commands aren't going to be burdensome for us anymore, and we are going to overcome all of the wicked, sinful traps that we have been caught in ever since we were born. The idea of overcoming our depravity feels impossible. 
But the promise wasn't the promise that he gave us a promise that we would be able to overcome these things and they would not be burdensome? Wasn't it that there's supposed to be so much that we're able to accomplish? Doesn't, doesn't that seem kind of counterintuitive if I'm telling you that, that we're trapped in our sin and there's no hope, there's no way? The idea of overcoming is not new to John's theology. In fact, he, he just said it a chapter before. In 1 John uh, 4, verse 4, he says, Little children, you are from God and have overcome them, for he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. The first thing that John's trying to remind us of is this idea of, yes, it might seem like these things are really hard and that, and that there's not any way to overcome but if you have this right, like I said, this right understanding of who Jesus is, if you're looking at the big picture of John's point, if you understand who Jesus is and what he has accomplished and what he represents, if, if you see that, if you understand that, then you realize that he is so much bigger, so much more powerful than any of the things that you have been trapped in. He is greater than your sin. He is more powerful than your sin. He is more able to defeat sin than you are. On our own, there is nothing that we can do to make his commands not burdensome. On our own, there is nothing that we can do to get ourselves out of the trap of sin that we have been caught in our entire lives. But the God that we serve, the God who saves us from our depravity, is greater than the sinful, evil forces that are at work in the world. So how can we trust that that's going to be true for us, right? Because what did I say? I said, if you believe in Jesus, if you are saved, this is true for you. Because he says, whoever believes follows his commands, and his commands aren't burdensome. Whoever is in, whoever is saved, whatever word you want to put there, whoever is a Christian, whoever is a believer, whoever is a follower of Jesus, whatever term you want to use to describe yourself, if you are in, he says this is going to be true. Different book that John wrote. The Gospel of John, chapter 16, verse 33 says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Here's the big idea. He overcame the world on our behalf. Where we couldn't overcome, where we can't defeat sin on our own, where we can't find a way out of the trap that we're in. Because like I said, we were dead in our sins and trespasses. Like, dead. Dead is dead. I don't need to, I don't need to define dead. We understand that idea. Like, nothing. Dead. No breath can't do much to make yourself alive when you're dead. But what he's saying is he has overcome it for us. So, so when you say that seems really hard and I'm telling you this is going to be less burdensome and I'm going to say you're going to have victory over sin. You're going to have victory over the world. You're going to have victory over who you have been. I'm not saying you are going to deliver that victory for yourself. I'm saying that victory has already been delivered by Jesus when he came physically to earth as God, lived a perfect life, and died on your behalf. 
when he served as your sacrifice. And that goes back to that understanding of who Jesus is and having a right theology of who Jesus is. If you understand that, you see how the victory is won. Right? We sang that. The victory's been won from death to life in three dark days. Right? That was the victory. The victory was Jesus conquering sin, conquering death through his perfect sacrifice. And so when we hear all of these commands, when we hear follow all my commands, or don't chase after the world, or love one another really, really, really well. All of these concepts that we keep hearing over and over and over in this book. And it seems like that is an impossible task for us to accomplish. It is. It is an impossible task for us to accomplish on our own. And I think, and we probably all still fall into this from time to time, this idea of, I just have to do it so well. I have to manufacture all this, this desire within myself to, to accomplish some amazing thing or to not, to keep myself away from sin. I have to fight. And, and there comes this point, hopefully in your life, where you have this realization, he's already fought for me. And you just feel this sense of peace kind of wash over you when you realize I just have to let go and trust that Jesus is going to make all of these things true of me. Because I think our, when, we, when you first get saved, you, finally, you have all these, this mix of emotions where you're understanding, oh, wow, I understand sin for the first time, or I understand, I understand what I'm supposed to be doing to be a follower of God for the first time. And you think, I've got to work as hard as I can, work as hard as I can, work as hard as I can. Or, or, or you, hear, you hear the gospel, but you think, I'm not worthy of the gospel. I've got to make sure I clean myself up first. And I've got to make sure that I'm doing a lot of good things, and then I can go to Jesus, and then he'll accept me. And that's just not true, right? He has overcome the world for us. He has accomplished all that needs to be accomplished on our behalf. There's, there's nothing that we need to add to what Jesus has done to find ourselves in the will of God. He has placed us there. He has saved us. He has brought us into the fold. He has brought us into the family. He has made us his sons and daughters. He has adopted us. And all of that is possible because of the work that Jesus did on our behalf. So, so I don't know what your situation is. Maybe, maybe you are unsaved and you're like, I don't feel worthy, to which I say none of us are. It's just amazing that he saves us anyways. Maybe you are saved and you're like, I don't think I'm doing enough to make sure that this is still too hard. Obviously, I need to try harder and then I'll get better at it and then these things will be easier. I'm not saying you shouldn't obey the commands of God, but I'm saying you should just trust that Jesus is going to make these things true of you because he said he would. Understand who Jesus is and understand what his, his sacrifice has accomplished for you. And then you can just kind of, there's, there's no better way that I can say it than just kind of relax into his grace, right? Just, just, just trust that he has done all that needs to be done to make us part of his family, and then loving that 
follow him, chase after him, run after him. Because, because we've, been promised, we've been promised victory. We've been, whatever the sin is that's in your life, maybe that you are struggling to defeat, maybe you need to realize that you aren't going to be able to defeat it on your own. He will give you victory over that. Trust that he is able to accomplish it. Look to Jesus. Don't look to within yourself to fix, your, to fix whatever your problem is. Right? Um, so much of, I don't know. I don't, I'm probably speaking about things that I'm not really well read on. But like, I mean, so much self-help stuff is like, look inside yourself, find this truth, find this thing, change this thing about yourself. And, and if when you're looking in yourself, you see Jesus, that's okay. But don't think, you ha- I'm going to change this all on my own. Because we're given new desires. We're given new passions. We're give- we're- the things that were our passions are no longer our passions as we're saved, as we're changed by the power of the Holy Spirit. So, so if there's some sin in your life, if, there's, if, if you're like me and you're like just not motivated to do the things that you're supposed to do, that you're called to do, maybe it's having a conversation with somebody that, that you haven't been reconciled to, maybe there's been some sort of disagreement, dispute, frustration between you, and you just haven't had the opportunity or you haven't made the opportunity to go and be reconciled to your brother. Maybe there's some sin that continually keeps calling you back and you're like, I need to get rid of this. And you keep trying to do it on your own. Maybe you just need to lay that all out before God and say, God, I cannot fix this on my own. I can't fix this at all. I need you to change this about me. And then confidently wait on him to shape you. Because he said, I will do that. I have overcome the world and you will overcome the world And this will become less burdensome for you because I have already done all of the heavy lifting. So so whatever place you're in, I'm going to pray in just a second. And and I just want, uh, maybe Nick, when you come up, don't start singing like right away. Play for a second. Give us just some time. Because I don't know where everybody is. But let's just take a few minutes and, and figure out what are the things that I'm still holding on to that I haven't let Jesus just take care of that I haven't just given to him. And spend some time praying, and then we'll sing, and then we'll give our, give our tithes, or then we'll come up and take communion. All of those things we'll still do. But, but I just want us to reflect on what Jesus has done, and then let our understanding of who he is really influence the way that we respond. Because sometimes I, I fall into this trap myself, It's like it's time to respond, which means we're going to sing or we're going to give our tithes or we're going to come take communion, whatever that may be. And it just becomes a bit too routine. And I'm not stopping and thinking about who Jesus is and what he's done. So let's just take a few minutes uh, after I pray to just kind of reflect on who Jesus is, be amazed and, and wonder by that, and then we'll sing and we'll give our tithes and we'll take communion and all of that. Does that sound good? Let's pray.